stop thinking about a broker as an enemy. Stop thinking about a broker as somebody who's holding you back, who's giving deals to other people and is not being fair to you. Stop thinking about it that way. Stop being a baby about it and understand what they're doing. Look, they've got a client that's the seller and they want to serve the seller well. So who, what are they going to do? They're going to make sure their buyer can actually close on the deal. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, our sponsor for the show today is Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota. And they were recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through their investment prospects. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. Look, there's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Hump Day Hustle, the show where we focus on business and real estate as our core pillars of wealth creation. My name is John Stiles with Bridge Realty, and I'm excited for another great episode and we're also excited to have Todd back in the host chair. Boom, I'm back. Todd, you took a break for three weeks. <laughs> I did. I took a long break. Well, I was only two weeks gone, but I was, what, three weeks away from this show because the week before I left, uh, there was no flipping way I was going to try to add anything to my plate. So anything I could get rid of, I wanted to. And we found some people that were uh, great to be able to step in. I listened to uh, the episodes and you guys, you and uh, Jordan and Brian did an excellent job. So kudos to you. Thank you for, uh, you know, manning the ship. I, I, you, you did better than me. So that was perfect. So I, I was thinking, man, maybe I should just take a permanent vacation and let you guys handle it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for those uh, compliments, but Tell us a little bit about where you went. Um, where did you went out of the country, right? Yeah, left the country. We went to Europe. I took uh, my two kids and my wife, uh, and we went over to Europe for 14 days. So it was a blast. We went into Germany. I've actually got a friend uh, or a couple friends from, that, uh, from Germany. One of them went to college with me, and I uh, we hung out quite a bit. We've stayed in contact. He came to my wedding. I, we went to his wedding. And uh, so him and his wife and his, uh, his two-year-old boy traveled with us the entire time. So that was fantastic. Not only did we have friends with us, but we also had translators and guides with us. So that was really cool too. So it was a blast. Uh, really fun to, to see them because obviously we don't get to see them a lot. Uh, and then just seeing, of course, everything out there it's a definitely a, you know, it's a, there's a lot of similarities between the U S and Europe, but there's definitely a lot of differences too. So, um, you know, the food and, uh, the culture and all that kind of stuff. It was just a lot of fun. So we were in Germany, Netherlands, Belgium, France, Luxembourg, and then came back to Germany before we flew out. Okay. Wow. That sounds great. 
Yeah, it was fun. A lot of history, just a lot of cool stuff. Um, you know, it, it also nice to be home, though. nice to be in my bed and nice to be, be eating American food again. I love the European food, but it's just a little different. So your your digestive system's not quite used to the type of foods that I eat. They eat a, a, a lot more cold food, a lot more bread, it seems like. Um, so, you know, just have to get used to it, I guess. Interesting. Well, hopefully you can hear more stories about that experience. I know going overseas and experiencing different cultures is really important uh, and really need the experience. So, Yeah, my spoiled kids. Um, my son now has been into seven, seven countries uh, and he's six years old. And my daughter has been into 10 countries and she's 10 years old. So spoiled kids, they, uh, you know, but whatever. Hopefully we're teaching them good experiences, not just uh, spoiling them. Yeah, cool. So, John, let's get to today's episode. Um, why don't you introduce it, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Yeah, so what we want to talk about is how to approach and interact and start relationships with real estate brokers. Yep. So, so six crucial steps is kind of what we're going to cover of when before honestly really before we talk with real estate brokers because our real estate brokers are very critical to our success in buying multifamily and i'm talking larger multifamily i'm not just talking about a single family home or you know a, a small duplex i'm talking about you know, larger multifamily could even be a 20 unit, but a hundred unit, 200 unit, especially this is critical for, uh, or buying commercial real estate and buying an industrial building, buying a retail building, anything like that really important. So, um, so that's what we want to cover today and, and make sure we hit on that. One of the the reasons, you know, a lot of these topics now that pop up are through my, through me doing some coaching and mentoring. And, and I hear some of the same conversations happening and people trying to contact with brokers. And, and I hear people that contact brokers and get, don't get taken seriously. And they wonder, well, how can we get, you know, taken seriously? And, there's some critical steps we need to take to get taken seriously. If you're having brokers uh, ignore you or ask for proof of funds or things like that, then you know you're doing something wrong. So we want to make sure right from the get-go that we do it right. Yeah. As we've talked about many times, you know, real estate brokers are a key uh, team member that you want to have in your team and you want to make sure you're starting off on the right foot so that, you yeah. know, lasting relationships and to, you know, for probably multiple deals. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, you get one time to make a first impression. It's so critical to make that very first impression and you get one time. And if you're, if you're not going to make it the first impression the right way, well, then you might have a long time before you can get kind of build that relationship back up. So, um, very critical to, to do it right from the, from the get go. Yeah. So Todd, what would you say is kind of the number one step to where we should we start? Um, yeah, well, I mean, number one step is, bef and again, this is 
before we speak to our brokers, before we speak to the brokers. Um, and actually, let me just even back it up before, maybe this is our number one step. So this would be a seventh step, I guess. But um, look professional, be professional. I don't mean wear a suit and tie. I mean, have a website. I mean, have a professional email, not, you know, not johnstyles at gmail.com, but john at, um, you know, my you know, real estate investment company.com, you know, whatever it is. Um, so have a professional email address. Be taken seriously. Have a website. If a broker can look you up, every broker can look you up. So if they do look you up, who is this guy? Okay. So be professional looking from the start. Have a company. I think that's really important uh, just from the beginning. So that's, that's kind of before my six crucial steps, but that's, that's definitely one of them. Okay. Um, of course, if you're a multi, multi-millionaire, you just got a bunch of money. I don't, you don't have to look smart, right? You can just, when the broker knows you're an idiot and they ask you for proof of funds, you can just show them proof of funds and they go, okay, well, I can sell an apartment building to that idiot because they've got a lot of money, right? But if you don't have a ton of money sitting around, this stuff is really important. If you don't have five, $10 million sitting in your bank account, this is important stuff to be talking about. Yep. Um, so number one, first thing, know what you're doing. Know what you're talking about. So get educated. When a broker asks you about cap rate, understand what a cap rate is. When the broker asks you about NOI, understand what NOI is. When the broker asks you about IRR, cash on cash return, anything like that, understand and know those terms. Understand and know how to talk to them. That's really important. Yeah, and, and would you say in your experience, those questions come up right away as the broker's trying to you know, see what you're all about? Um, it, it's dependent, broker dependent, and it's also you dependent. It depends on how you control the conversation. So yes, a lot of brokers will ask you, ask you different types of questions and no one understand how to respond to them. I think that's really important. Yep. So get yourself educated, um, study the terms, get to know it really important. And we've talked about a lot of those terms in past episodes. So if you're not quite sure what we're talking about right here, you know, uh, go back to the other. Yeah. Well, we, we did an apartment series, right? And the apartment series was from episode 31 through 65. And it was the, all the odd numbers. So anybody that wants to go back and listen to the apartment series, any odd number, 31, 33, you know, 35 and so on, all the way to 65 will give you a very good understanding of from start to finish how to buy an apartment building. And we go through a lot of those terms and, and those the different things you need to really be paying attention to. Yep. John, what's number two? Number two is study and know your market, the market that you're investing in. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we we might think we know the market, even if it's our home market, we might think we know the market. But the, the fact is, most people that are investing in their home market have no clue 
about their home market. And they don't know the ins and outs like they should. They might know where the best restaurants are. They might know where the coolest bars are. They might even know where some construction or some trends are going, but they don't truly know the numbers like they should know. So know your market. We've talked about that before. We've talked about how to study markets. And I can't remember. I wish I knew the episode number for that. But uh, understand the market understand where the employ what the employment growth is what type of companies are coming in what type of jobs are being created uh population growth what the government is doing all that kind of stuff and understand why you would want to invest there so when i have a broker conversation it's very simple it's hey hey jim uh todd dexheimer here say i've been looking at your market in uh let's call it Houston, Texas. I've been looking at your market in Houston and I'm really excited about the market. I really like that the job growth has been increasing by X percent, by 945%. I really like that the population has increased over the last five years by 3000%. I really like this and this and this about the market. I've been doing a lot of studying and we're excited about the market. We've got some questions for you. We really want to understand and hone in on this market. Or do you mind answering some questions about our market and about your market and seeing if our assumptions from the computer have been correct? That's a really good way to, to kind of stage that conversation. That broker goes, wow, this, these guys know what they're doing. They have done their homework, they understand it, and they want to be very careful and make sure that their homework is correct. And I want to help them out versus, hey, Jim, Todd Dexheimer. So I like Houston. It's a really cool city. I uh, was there once with my, with my uh, aunt when I was six years old. And uh, I, what do you think about the market? Is it good or is it bad? Like, what? You know, what, what are you talking about? I don't want to have a conversation with you. So big difference, understand and know your market, study it, get to know it, really hone in on it. And then you can have a good educated conversation with the broker. Yep. That really does set the tone and, and just set good expectations and, and a good impression of, of what your intentions are. Because brokers are busy people. They're either working with their clients or they're looking for more serious clients. Um, and if, you know, there's plenty of people that are interested, but are never going to do a deal. Yep. Yep. And so once, once they sniff you out, you know, they're not going to spend a lot of time with you. Well, and look, you might think, uh, I think a, a wrong attitude. There's, I think people have a lot of different attitudes about brokers and a lot of them, uh, in my opinion, uh, is the wrong way to be thinking about it. Broker needs to be an integral part of your success. And stop thinking about a broker as an enemy. Stop thinking about a broker as somebody who's holding you back, who's giving deals to other people and is not being fair to you. Stop thinking about it that way. Stop being a baby about it and understand what they're doing. Look, they've got a client that's the seller and they want to serve the seller well. So who, what are they going to do? They're going to make sure their buyer can actually close on the deal. So they're not going to send you this deal, whether it's good, bad, or anything else, unless they know you can close on it. 
So they want to serve, they, they want to serve their client. And of course they want to serve themselves, right? They, they want to get paid. They've worked really hard. A lot of these brokers and most of these brokers have one opportunity to sell the property. They'll get a listing. They get to market it. And if they don't sell it, that listing goes out of their hands and they don't get another chance at, at selling it. And the next broker down the street does. So they want to sell the property. They don't want to mess around with some person they have no clue um, about. And tell so, so stop being a baby about it and learn how to talk with brokers. Yep. Oh, really important. Um, John, what's number three? So the number three criteria that you got to, pay attention to is knowing your criteria before you talk to the broker. So, you know, whether you're looking for a certain number of units, certain class, um, what other, what other criteria, Todd, would you say is important? Yeah, just, I mean, just define it. Right. And so it, I'm in this conversation. I've talked with the broker about the market we understand that. And I say, well, look, so, really interested in this market. What I, what my company looks for is we're, we're interested in buying 100 plus unit apartment complexes in B class neighborhoods, value add 1970s or newer. Um, you know, so, so define it, know it, understand what you're looking for and understand even deeper than that. If they start asking you questions. So, you know, do you have a price, uh, point in mind. You don't understand. Well, yeah, we have a capacity up to 20 million or a capacity up to 10 million or whatever that might be. Um, understand that, you know, you said, I, I always tell them B-class neighborhood. And then I typically, as the conversation goes on, I say, well, look, the property can be C-class, can be in poor condition. That's okay. We can have 90% occupancy or even 80, 85% occupancy, and we can still take those properties down. So understand that. Maybe you, maybe you only want to buy something with 90% occupancy and you want to make sure it's in a B-class neighborhood and a B-class property. That's fine. That has to be your criteria. Uh, but understand what your criteria is, the better, more defined you can get on your criteria, the better that broker understands what you're looking for. And the more likely they're going to take you serious as well, because they know you know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, this is all about posturing, right? And this is all about making sure the broker understands you know what you're talking about. And the opposite of doing this is, is you just tell the broker that you're looking for a deal that makes sense. A good deal. Yep. What the heck is a good deal? Yeah, I, it's funny. I hear that all the time. Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, there's people that post it all the time. What? You know, what's your criteria for a good deal? Well, what's a good deal? I don't. I don't know you. I don't know what. What? I mean. Is a good deal to you a nice yield play A class property that makes five percent cash on cash return? That just is a stable, good property. Maybe there's a little bit of upside, but we're not too worried about that. That might be a great deal for some people. Okay, great deal also might be a C class property that has to have massive, massive renovations, and we have to have an increase of twenty to five thousand dollars in equity per unit. That might be a good deal for people. You know somewhere in between. We don't know. So understand what your good deal is. Yep. Yeah. Cause once you're specific, then the broker is going to think of you when they come across that deal 
Um, and even if it's something a little different, they might send it say, saying that this doesn't fit your criteria. You just thought you might like to see it anyways. And, you know, something else might work out with that. But, you yeah. know, once they know your criteria, they can help you find what you're actually looking for. And again, it's a big part of a, just posturing, just understand, making them understand, you know, what you want, you're defiantly committed to achieving it. Hey, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Pine Financial Group. Look, you work hard for your money. Is your money working hard for you? Because of inflation, money sitting idle erodes your wealth. Many investors understand that real estate is a great investment, but may not want the effort or the risk that comes with owning their own property. They want to sit back and have payments, hit their bank account each and every month. Stop eroding your wealth and start building it by asking your money to work for you. You should be earning profits while you sleep in investment backed by real estate. Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, was recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through the investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. There's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. It's www.pineinvestments.com. I want to invite you to join us at the North Star Real Estate Conference. This conference is September 20 and 21st in Minneapolis, and it's going to be packed full of a ton of great speakers. We've got uh, just a, a great group of people speaking. You can look at our lineup on our website, nreconference.com, and sign up there as well. We've got an early bird special. All you need to do is type in early bird, one word, and uh, you can get $100 off. And that's good through August 10th. So make sure you sign up now. Take action. Look, people that take action and value their education are those who are going to succeed. I know there's a lot of free content. My podcast is free. There's all kinds of free content out there, maybe even free meetups that you're attending. But this conference is going to blow your socks off. This is going to be well worth the price and all the profits go to charity. So it's definitely time to take action. Sign up now. Don't delay because the prices will go up. Um, but you know what? Every time I attend a conference, I 10x. Actually, I would say I'm more like a thousand X even my investment, a hundred, a thousand, potentially even more X my investment. I've met so many fantastic people. I've met investors at conferences. I've met potential partners at conference. I've joined mastermind groups because of conferences. So it's a ton of value. You cannot replace it. So check it out. NREconference.com. Thanks a lot. Um, so, so next on the list would be to talk with mortgage brokers, talk with property managers, um, and even talk with, uh, you know, your local real estate attorneys, uh, maybe some accountants that are local, um, appraisers that are local. You know, I'd say 
number one and, and two would be your, your local lenders, your real estate brokers, or sorry, your, your uh, mortgage brokers and your, and your local lenders, and then your property managers. And those people you can ask a lot of different questions to. You can ask a lot of questions about the market. You can, you, but you want to talk to them and, and get a good understanding of where they're at with financing. What type of financing can you get for the type of properties you're looking for? You want to make sure uh, the property managers that you talk to are in align with your goals. And, and so get to know some of the property managers, some of the uh, mortgage brokers and potentially some of the other people in the market. That way, when you do have that initial conversation with your broker, you can mention those people. You can mention, Hey, I've already talked to ABC real estate management company and um, you know, they're going to be managing my properties for me, blah, blah, blah. You know? And that helps again with the posturing. It helps them understand, okay, they've done their homework. Like that's a big part of this whole thing is how, is how serious is this person? Because as a real estate broker, especially the big brokers, they've got a list that's 500,000 people long, but most of those people either have never had a conversation with them. They just clicked and signed up or they've had a 10 minute conversation and it's been very vague, very little, maybe they're coming from a different state or whatever. And it's just this, I want to buy something. I want to, I'm looking for the first 10 cap you find, send it to me. Okay, great. You're on my list. You're at the top of my list. Cause we find them all the time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And when you're talking to these lenders and property managers, you know, those, those are great resources. So you can establish that knowledge of the market knowledge yeah. of what's important with the numbers in that market, you know, rents, expenses, and that type of stuff. So that's and, really cool. Yeah. And they're seeing deals all day. So you can get a better understanding of, Hey, you know, what kind of, what, what kind of price per door are you seeing on properties? What kind of, uh, what's the competition like? How many deals are we see? How, how many deals have you guys been closing? Um, you know, the, what, what type of cap rates are we seeing? All that kind of stuff. And they can give you a good understanding. So that way, when the real estate broker starts to ask you questions, you've got answers for them already. You understand what's going on in that market. The more, the more knowledgeable, the better. Yep. Cool. Um, John, what's number five? So number five is watch for traps. Yeah. What's uh, any, tra any traps that you can think of? Well, I think one of them we kind of mentioned earlier is just, you know, what are you looking for? I mean, we've covered that, know your criteria, but then, you know, oh, are you, what's, what cap rate are you looking for? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a common one that I see is what cap rate are you looking for? And I answer that, but I answer it in a different way. I don't answer it as, Hey, I'm looking for a seven cap or a six cap or a 10 cap or whatever. I say, well, look, I'm, I'm, willing to pay market or potentially even over market for a property uh, as long as it has good solid value add. So as far as cap rate goes, what I really pay attention to on cap rate is when I do my underwriting, I look at my exit cap rate and I look at historicals for my exit cap rate and base that on my underwriting. So my going in cap rate, I might, I'm definitely willing to overpay a little bit. So if it's a five cap market, I might be willing to pay a four and a half or a four cap if it's got enough value add. And that right there just tells the broker, okay, this guy, again, this guy knows what he's doing. Like 
because most properties, if they're value add, are going for market or even below market cap rate. Yeah. And the, the reason that you'd be willing to go for a lower cap rate in a value add is because you can force the appreciation and then sell it, you know, yeah. at cap rate. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now we've got some equity that we built in because we were able to raise the net operating income and now we've got a better property. So, um, so yeah. How, and, how, how would this question from the broker be a trap though? Well, cause a lot of people are going to answer it with what their cap rate they're looking for. So brokers want to ask you about cap rate because a non-sophisticated investors will give them a number. What cap are you looking for? I'm looking for an A cap. Okay, great. A caps don't exist. You're looking for a unicorn. Don't talk to me anymore. Okay. So we want to, now if you're, are you looking for a, just a stable yield play? Well, if you're looking for a stable yield play, well, then your answer is different. Your answer is, well, I'm looking for market cap. Looking to buy something for market cap. Maybe I'm looking to, look, I'm looking for deals that have at least a little bit of, um, meat on the bone. So if market caps at a five, I'd like to buy something at a five and a quarter. You know, yeah. that I'd be okay with, but otherwise, you know, I'm looking for market cap. Yep. So, uh, the other thing is, I think, uh, just questions that help that get you to deviate from your criteria. Like, you, you told them your criteria is about a hundred unit peak class value add, blah, blah, blah. And they say, well, yeah, look, I mean, I've got a, I've got a 70, I've got a 70 unit. I know it didn't quite fit, but I got 70 units in a C class neighborhood uh, it was built in 1960. So it's pretty close. What do you think about that type of thing? And they're not necessarily always trying to trick you. They might be willing to sell it to you, but you know, I think it's really important just to go, well, yeah, you know, unfortunately that does not meet my criteria, but appreciate you mentioning it. Uh, it just doesn't meet my criteria. So just stick with your criteria. I think that makes you uh, more professional. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the question I asked earlier is, you know, I, I have this some deal that's similar, but not quite. And I think because sometimes buyers will set their idealistic criteria and kind of like the cap rate, sometimes they don't exist. So we kind of test the waters on one, one side of the spectrum or the other, just to see, is there play in this criteria? Is it a serious criteria or is it just kind of an idealistic thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to adjust your criteria. Just don't be wishy-washy with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so last thing I think is really important is to know your equity and know your debts. We already talked about talking with your mortgage brokers, talking with your local lenders. Um, so that's good with knowing the debt type of structures because brokers will ask you about your debt structure and that'll be a telltale sign if you know what you're talking about um, with the type of deal. So that's a good conversation. Another reason why we want to talk with the mortgage brokers before we get into that conversation with the real estate broker is we can get a really good understanding of the type of deals that we're looking for and the type of debt that's possible on them. So when the broker does say, Hey, what kind of debt are you getting? You could say, well, you know, obviously it depends a little bit on the deal, but here's the type of debt that, uh, we like to put on the property. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important. Same thing with your equity. You know, how are you coming up with the money? Be, be straight with them. If you're a syndicator, I'm I syndicate. 
That's what we do. We syndicate money. Uh, we got the capacity to raise to be able to purchase $20 million property. You know, whatever it is, um, just be, be square and straight with them and let them know where that money's coming from. Yeah. And most likely once, once you have that conversation, they're going to either want to see which bank you're working with. Have you done syndications before? You know, how, how serious are you? Are you just going to try to get a deal under contract and hope the money shows up or do you know how to put the money together? Yeah. And quite frankly, John, I think that if you've postured yourself right the entire time up to this point, that's probably going to be a lesser concern to them than if you haven't postured yourself right. If you've, if you've gone into the conversation the wrong way, that's going to be one of the first things they ask. They might even ask for proof of funds, um, all that kind of stuff. But if you've positioned yourself the right way and, and really shown knowledge, that's going to be definitely not top of mind is, is uh, asking you if you're sure you can raise that money because they feel confident that you can because you've talked eloquently up to this point. Um, which is really why I'm talking about this because I think it's important to position yourself the right way. So when I go into a broker conversation, I think it's really important to own the conversation. I don't mean be a bulldog, a pit bull and take over and be aggressive, but I mean, you need to own the conversation. You need to be the ones, the one asking the questions, talking about your criteria, really be positioning yourself to be the, not necessarily the expert because you want to allow them to also be their expert in their own right, but you want to be the expert as the investor, right? And so you want to make sure you position yourself the right way. You own the conversation. Don't leave room for them to interpret who you are to be able to then ask the bad questions. Now, I don't want you to go in there and just over, overstep and talk over them. And that, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just telling you, own the conversation, be confident, and that's going to go a long ways. Yeah, I, I know this is not what you're saying, but there's the risk of somebody, you know, completely controlling the conversation to the point that there's no room for the broker to do yeah, it. And that's a big mistake. Because there's value in, in what they're bringing to the table as well. A lot of expertise, resources, and the deals themselves, which is kind of why I, I think you're wanting, you're putting so much effort uh, and focus on this relationship because this is often where those deals come from. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you're 100% right. Position yourself as the expert investor, but make sure that they know they're the expert in the field, that they're the expert broker. And so you want to be asking them questions. But again, when you ask them questions, make sure the questions have a very good and defined purpose behind them. Don't just ask blank questions. Don't just ask, you know, there's stupid, there is such a thing as stupid questions. I don't care what your teacher told you. Okay? They just didn't want to hurt your feelings. There's such a thing as stupid questions. Don't ask stupid questions. Again, when, like we're talking about the market. Hey, I've done the, my studying on the market. I know about this X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. 
I want your expert opinion to verify my findings. What do you think about this? Where do you think the population is growing? What parts of the city are seeing the the highest demand for population growth. What parts of the city, I see that it looks like most of the building is being done in the, you know, the west central part of the city. Is that accurate or are you seeing some good amount of building other places? Look, I'm a value add investor. Where are you seeing the most value add deals available with the most amount of equity play possible? You know, those types of questions are giving the broker that feeling of being an expert, and they are. And it's also allowing you to be an expert too, or, or show that you're very thoughtful and educated. Yeah, so definitely. Um, yeah, anything else, John, when, when approaching a broker prior to or during that first initial conversation? You know, I, I think you've covered it. Uh, just maybe to recap, you know, prepare yourself with the right terms, right knowledge, knowledge of the market, be well connected with other mortgage professionals, property managers, so that when you get into this conversation with the real estate broker who kind of holds the keys to the real estate, you know, that you're well, like you said, postured, well postured, that they can take you seriously. And actually take time to be with you instead of their other, you know, serious clients. Yep. Yep. And then know your criteria too, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Well, good stuff, John. I, I think it's just a really important topic for a lot of people to talk about I, or a lot of people to hear. I think a lot of people do make that initial mistake when they contact brokers to try to contact them too eagerly. And I get it because you're excited. You want a deal. You've been looking and studying and it, everybody tells you to contact brokers because they're the best people in the world. And, and Hey, they, they are, but do it right. Do it the right way. And then the other thing is after you've built that initial contact with them, make sure you follow up and follow up and follow up and make sure you're not a thorn on their side, but that you are following up and understanding that contact with them is really important feedback to them and that's one thing i struggle with still is feedback giving them positive feedback on on the properties they send you is really important so make sure that you are spending the time needed to continue to cultivate the relationship it's not just a one-time phone call yep i think that's really huge because a lot of buyers that we talk to you have that one conversation and then you send them some options and they kind of like, they just ghost you. <laughs> yeah. um, so then if, if you're not getting a response and you're sending opportunities, then you just kind of take them off the list that you need to spend time with uh, people that are actually going to talk to you and, and pull the trigger on a property. So. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every, every broker. So look, I had a conversation today with, with one of my coaching clients and, and, he asked me, you know, basically how many people, it feels like it's super competitive out there, which it is, right? But look, you might have a broker might have 500 investor contacts. Wow, that's a lot. But out of those 500, 80% of them aren't being going to be taken seriously. 20% of them are. Out of those 20%, they might be taken kind of seriously, but 80% of those people aren't taken 
that seriously. 20% are taken very seriously. So now we just dwindled it down from 500 people down to, oh, I didn't do the math, but a lot less, okay? <laughs> we have a short list now of people that are actually good potential buyers for this broker. This broker has a whiteboard of the top 20 names that are buyers in that market. And they'll sell those 20 people or prefer to sell those 20 people first. They get a deal that comes in the door. Who are they going to send it to? If it's off market, they're going to send it to those 20 people. Okay. They get a deal that's marketed, fully marketed, and they get offers. And if you're one of those 20 people on that list and you're even close, you're going to be preferred. You're going to be guaranteed. The broker is going to go, look, I've dealt with, I dealt with John Styles before. He's a closer every single time. I know his offer is at five million, and this other guy is at five point one. But look, I've never done a deal with this other guy. I've talked to him. I don't know about him. I know John can close. I think you're better taking John's offer. And I guarantee there's conversations every day, very similar to that, between the brokers and the sellers. Makes a lot of sense. Maybe not about John Styles in particular, sometimes, but not every time. All those $5 million deals. Yeah. <laughs> cool, John. Uh, well, that's all I got. Wonderful. Okay. Well, I just want to talk to our listeners and viewers. You know, we want to continue this conversation with you on social media, either on our YouTube video, on our Facebook page. That's probably one of the better places to do the conversation. Um, so if you've got any input on how to approach brokers, uh, if you want to highlight something that you've done well, maybe even a mistake that you've made, but you've learned from, we'd love to have that conversation with you there. Um, and while you're at it, be sure to head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review so we can get the word out to more people. Oh, and get to nreconference.com and sign up today for the conference, because look, it's coming soon. And this is a conference you don't want to miss. We've got phenomenal speakers and I'm excited to see everyone there. Yep. It's going to be a good one. Cool. Thanks, John. All right. Talk to you next time. Oh, wait a second. Make every day a Saturday, dude. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go again, go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business, and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day, and as I say, make every day a Saturday. 